0: Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Instant Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris-John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org.
1: So this time on the show, we are lucky enough to be joined by Neil Craig, lead architect of BBC's digital distribution team. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Nice to be here. Good to have a quick chat. We've been talking a little bit over Twitter regarding uh, your HSTS journey. Yep. So Martin, and I thought it might be interesting to get you on the show, talk a little bit about what that journey's been like, a little bit about the BBC, and of course, ask you if you can
2: share any uh, Doctor Who spoilers as well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely uh, I'll, I'll definitely throw some of those in, no worries. Let's be honest. You and Chris have
0: been having the, the conversations. I've just been kind of on the side, which is part of why I'm going to ask, as we use these three- and four-letter acronyms, can we at least once actually say what they mean and and figure out? Uh, because some people are as ignorant as I am. Of course. It's, it's, it's really hard. Sorry, I didn't mean to. BBC means British Broadcasting Corporation?
1: That's right. There
0: you go. Oh, oh. I, I meant some things like H mark or, or mark or whatever it is and things like that.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of overlap as well. So, yeah, it's a good idea.
0: So uh,
1: HSGS is... Um, Oh, God, now I'm going to blank on <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> HTTP strict transport security. security. Oh, there you go.
1: So uh, it, for, 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 the, for the layman, basically what this means is that uh, when you when you connect to a website with your browser, if you have a HSTS header returned from the server, your browser will remember for a period of time that it should always connect using secure and not using the insecure. Um, yeah. So you're using HTTPS instead of HTTP. Uh, that's because we're still in a world where browsers think that HTTP is the, the default to go for.
2: <laughs> the 5% default. Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's changing at some point in the future, so uh, we're, we're still pushing ahead. But, but you've been on this journey for, for a while now, implementing this uh, across a number of BBC's um, digital distribution systems. Mm-hmm. That seems like a problem at scale that that's not an easy one. Just chucking the header on and hoping doesn't really seem like the appropriate response. <laughs> so, uh, how, how's that journey been for you?
2: Yeah, yeah, interesting and long. I guess is the is the summary. Yeah, you're quite right. In a in a in a sort of big bigish org like the BBC, there's some real sort of complexity just from that breadth, that scale. So it's, it's not really one of those. One of those pieces of work that that there's a problem in terms of our request rate you know it's not how busy the website is it's really an organizational thing that's that's where the complexities come in and and just the sort of sheer variety of clients we have so the recent hsts deployment that we did was on www.bbc.co.uk. uk so that's our main website in the uk uh, outside the uk people will land on.com but yeah it was it, it's one of these things that's really complicated by by history so um so BBC.co.uk is is very widely used for a variety of of uses that you, you just kind of wouldn't do if it was a greenfield project. So you've always got to have those in mind, and you've always got to be thinking when you're doing these sorts of things: Am I going to break internet radios that are you know 15 years old that someone spent a fortune on and really 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 wants to work? Am I going to break TVs? Because believe it or not, there are TVs that use sections of www. <sighs> yeah okay <laughs> it's, 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 the,
1: it, it's always that way right when you look at making changes to things I think um, one of the things that, mm-hmm. that came up uh, internally a number of years ago was making changes to google.com is like there's a whole load of things out there that are embedded devices that just go is google.com answering because if so we have internet and it's like well, but if yep. we make a change to the website things are going to break if you're expecting a 200 okay but you get like a redirect yeah, the, yeah it's people use things for the weirdest reasons
2: yeah yeah we have we have exactly that problem as well so um turns out one of the default configs for uh some sort of you know some big iron routers uh are to use the BBC to see if the internet's working so of course yeah I mean luckily they don't support HSTS I had some really helpful conversations with uh some of the folks who uh you know uh, uh, Fortinet who who make those ones um and a few others so that was that was pretty cool yeah, it's sort of good to cross those things off but yeah, essentially that sort of that side of it came back down to speaking with a load of people around the org and outside the org, getting a huge list of kind of all these things to consider and, you know, literally just plodding through them one by one. And, you know, this is why it takes so long to get a simple change like HSTS, which is at the end of the day, just an HTTP header. You know, it takes so long to get out there because you've got to go through all those stages and you've got to communicate to the whole business. Um, And then you start looking at the internal stuff that might break as well. So another bit of complexity that we've got is when you hit BBC Co UK or bbc.com, you you kind of see it as a cohesive website, but behind the scenes, (laughs) there's a load of vertical stacks. Uh, I'm sure you both know this really well. And different teams that look after those, you know, so they are different teams running different code bases on different infrastructure. So it's a question of kind of checking each of those and knowing what they are, how they work, you know, kind of doing that whole research piece. Um, talking to the teams, making sure they're comfortable, making sure you've answered their questions, making sure we've got the monitoring in place and the logging, and then rolling through the pre-live environments before, you know, before we hit live. So yeah, a whole load of work, but you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be worth it. Right. I mean, it's, it's such a simple and useful control to have. And we're really cautious and really um, cognizant that a lot of people in some kind of pretty difficult areas of the world use BBC website for news. So we, you know, are really, really careful to kind of do our best by them and balancing that against cutting off huge swathes of the world from being able to use the website. So, yeah, that, that tricky kind of tightrope that you always have with these types of things.
0: And then you have the rollout and find the two or three things that are vitally important to one person (laughs) that you just
2: didn't even think of. Yep. Yep, yeah, yeah. I mean we we've been pretty lucky on this one actually. Um I've there was a lot of a lot of groundwork ahead of time, which kind of saved some of the problems. But um the only issue that I've come up with so far is someone emailed me literally an hour ago. To say, oh, by the way, you've broken the internal uh, Wi-Fi instructions. How to get on the guest Wi-Fi? Wow, I mean, <laughs> so, that seems okay.
1: that seems like another security benefit. So this is, this is all good. I mean, I yeah. th- I think the the ones I I like in this area are things like the one website that you never use unless things are down. You know, the the status website, and then you realize that doesn't support SSL. So then, <laughs> so if something goes wrong, there's no status website. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, that would be a fun day. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, so I, I did spend a lot of time going through our logs. So we do have really, really good logging on www um, and that gets database it lands up in BigQuery, query. So um, it's really easy to kind of search through, find everything kind of that way. So I had this colossal spreadsheet, put um, <laughs> into BigQuery, and would literally check it every day and it would check the previous day's data for you know, what was still landing on HTTP for various status codes, which sections of the site that was, you know, what the particular URLs were, what the request methods were, the, the user agents, where it was coming from geographically, what the responses were, that kind of thing. So it gave a really good level of confidence. But yeah, it took a lot of work just to be, you know, I, I don't want to be that person that takes down the BBC website by, uh, you yeah, know, being the maverick rolling out a new control. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we call cross-org cross, cross org impact, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially as this is one, uh, as you mentioned, Chris, that's cached. So um, once we, you know, we, we we went through and incremented. So I set out a plan for, first of all, set the max age, which is the duration that the the client caches the policy for. We went 10 seconds, then 10 minutes, then an hour, then a day, which is what we're on currently. And then on Monday, we're going to roll to a month. And then after a few months, we'll roll to a year. And that's so you can get preloaded. So the major browsers have all got a preload list so that effectively gets baked into the browser. So it eliminates, um, one of the problems with HSTS, which is that it's a trust on first use. So your, your browser only knows that it should always use HTTPS for the BBC website once it's loaded the BBC website over uh, HTTPS and the preload list eliminates that, that trust on first use step. So, um. Yeah, we're working towards hopefully getting, getting preloaded, but that's uh, just going to take a little while. So yeah, we spread out those steps, increasing the max age over a couple of weeks so far. And uh, yeah, just the, the, the steps were each designed to sort of cover a different use case. So the 10 seconds was you kind of loading a page and the stuff that might be on the www, and then the 10 minutes was kind of page to page, and then the hour was kind of your fairly busy user. And then a day was kind of most of our audience will come to us every day. And then the month will be just about everybody. And then once it hits a year, that, that's really for preloads. So that's kind of the strategy that I went with. And that's that's worked pretty well. Um, and it's what we did actually when, when we did our original HSTS, which was on a uh, one of the domains we used to serve static assets from. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's going well. Pleased to see that coming out. It's, um, I mean, I, I had a look when I wrote a blog post to to kind of record it for posterity, and uh, the work started six years ago for me, and wow. it started earlier than that for other people. <laughs>
1: so. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you you touched on on something that's interesting. There is that that you had to develop some internal tooling for monitoring and things like that, which I think people don't really appreciate when you're making these kind of changes at this kind of scale. The the tools that everyone touts are like, oh, it's easy. You just, you know, look at your Apache logs, or you just take a look at this logs. Does not scale to the size of of large organizations. You end up having to customize a a lot of this stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll kind of get through half a billion to a billion or so web pages a day from folks all across the world. You know, from your your routers checking is the internet working to um, somebody's feature phone in sub-Saharan Africa. You know. They're a they're a big part of my life <laughs> i mean that, that does that does raise the
1: question is like the, yeah. these these feature phones that are like running android 2 4 and you know
2: can, oh, can, yeah I mean yeah they're, they're running these kind of web browsers that you, you do well to find more than five people on the internet who know what it is <laughs> I managed to find someone who had run it once a few years ago so, and yeah it was it was kind of an interesting journey so that was that was around some Tls stuff but yeah just it it really is just that breadth and just being super cautious because one of our kind of usps has always been to be really reliable and we've we've had a drive for a while to make our web services as reliable or more reliable than t v which is you know normally pretty bulletproof so yeah so
0: my when I look at things like this, I realize in a lot of cases the political Conversations or battles, possibly mm-hmm. internally, are more complex than the technical battles. For it, was that your experience, or did yeah. you get to push that off to somebody else to deal with?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had loads of people helping. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be clear, this isn't just me driving this, but it, it's kind of, yeah, it's been something which I guess I've kind of really wanted to push through. So I've been just making sure the momentum didn't drop and kind of doing whatever was necessary to fill to fill the gaps that other people weren't, you know, doing or weren't able to do or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it's really, this one was so the, the final push to HSTS was, came around at a good time because it's really well understood that HTTPS is the thing that we definitely should be doing. So that, that was kind of cool. So there wasn't resistance from any teams, which is great. What I found, um, just from experience that I need to do is put loads of effort in ahead of time to make sure i give people confidence that i know what i'm doing i can measure it and you know if, if things go wrong there's back out paths and you know that we can we can ensure that it's working as expected and uh, uh, yeah it's it's really that mine it's it's trying to make sure people have got that confidence and it's a business thing it's way harder than the technical stuff i mean it's that that's what probably took 80 percent of the time You've got to hope
0: nobody breaks down and kills your website 10 minutes before you're supposed to launch or
2: something. <laughs> yeah, you get that, don't you? With a, with a big change like this, you make it and then you say to people, right, it's kind of going live in 10 minutes and all of a sudden people come to you and say, oh, this thing's broken. And you know full well it's nothing to do with it. It's coincidental, but you've got to spend that time. <laughs> yeah, this but, yeah. Uh,
1: this may have happened to me uh, <laughs> a few few weeks ago. We were launching uh, the mvsp.dev uh, site for the new minimum viable secure product and um and one of our partners took the website down about ten minutes before launch, so <laughs> um, it was fine we we got it back we got it back online, but it was like um bad timing, let's just say that yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's definitely worth trying to find a big gap where nothing that's anything related is going to be deployed or changed and <laughs> does that kind of...
1: does that ever happen?
2: Get off (laughs) um yeah not often but um it's it's one of the advantages in uh so so the team that i work in we do basically the i guess at least for www um we do the, the kind of cdn and traffic management um so we kind of look after effectively all of that so it was one where i could just be like right let's not change anything <laughs> out here yeah let's make sure this is the only thing and then you know if something goes really horribly wrong it's definitely me and I'll, I'll own up to it but and yeah
1: I guess it means you've got good visibility to it as well you're not relying on another team to to alert you that something's going wrong
2: yeah exactly exactly yeah
1: so after this six years of work to, to get this pushed out I mean what what does this free you up to do to do next right I mean, is there is there any other stuff that you think is is blocking on this kind of work that you're like, once this is done, I have all these ideas that we need to to follow up with.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, it does, it does. Um, So there's a few things. One is um, effectively just culling HTTP at our traffic edge. So as I I mentioned, kind of our our team runs the the sort of traffic edge for WWW for the BBC and our news and sport and weather and children's and so on websites all sit behind that um, and they're run by different teams. And what i want to do is just completely nuke http from the public edge down to their origins so they only have to deal in one scheme they never have to worry about the scheme at all that kind of frees them up from that because until now everybody's kind of had their own redirect logic to you know when they were ready they did their http yeah, to yeah. https redirects and all that kind of stuff
1: i guess that also frees you up to do things like, like yeah, all the csp policies you don't need to reference http anymore http isn't a thing
2: Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. There's just tons of stuff we can chuck away, which is, you know, just kind of gets in the way and is awkward and and time consuming when you have to, you know, you're considering that when you're factoring and making the change, you know, um, so that, yeah, there's definitely that stuff. That'll be cool. And then there's kind of a load of other related stuff. So not, not necessarily directly HTTPS, um, although some is actually, um, but I'd like to introduce like a default set of security header controls right now the vast majority of them are kind of down to the individual team. So news and sport and weather and so on. Mm, yeah. um, they set their own. Um, so if they said it, they said it and they're responsible for it. And that's cool. What I'd like to do on some of those controls. So things like refer a policy, um, which controls what your browser sends when, so when you, when you navigate between pages, you know, obviously it sends a referrer and says, Hey, the page I came from was this, um, so refer a policy. Is a way that you can restrict what it sends so you can say don't send one at all ever or you can say don't send one don't send a referrer if i jump to uh, you know another website if i go to google.com and, and and kind of a load of stuff around that so i'd like to set a safe default for that so that we've always got one no matter what because some of our teams kind of are, you know they're quite small and they're, they're quite stretched and they're not necessarily Kind of got all these things on their on their radar, front and center. Uh, X frame options as well. So mm. we've got a, a bug bounty program, loose term, and uh, we <laughs> get that reported nearly every day. Hey, your website's vulnerable to clickjacking because ah, you're know, not yes. setting X frame options to control when your pages can be framed. <laughs>
1: and you and you have a server header.
2: You have a server header. This is a, this is an amazing problem. <laughs> yeah, the banner grabbers and uh, yeah. Hey, you're running an out of date Apache. Actually, you know, the fixes were backported, so we're kinda of not, but yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. So a load of yeah, a load of stuff around that. Um so
0: you hinted you had some interesting stories about your bug bounty program and how and some backstories, um, because it came strangely from a conversation about Doctor Who that we yeah. mentioned. Every <laughs> conversation about Doctor Who is a strange conversation. <laughs> Every conversation with you and I is a strange conversation, Chris.
2: I agree. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um so the, the bug bounty was a thing that I was um, involved in with our our SOC team, the, the Security Operations Center a few years back. It we we sort of got talking and decided that we'd we'd set it up, and that was actually off the back of being nudged about security.text. So oh, that's the I, kind of
1: who would who would nudge about security.text? <laughs>
2: Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was good. And it kind of, uh, I wasn't aware of it at the time. So I went and had a look and thought, actually, this is a great idea. And then, you know, when you roll out your security.txt, which, which tells reporters how they can report a vulnerability they've found to you, you then need a disclosure policy. So it was one of those where uh, I, I kind of, you know, was speaking to the SOC and said, would you be cool with rolling out security.txt And we, we create an email D list and it will go to the SOC and it will go to, you know, a few other people that are relevant. Uh, and we'll put that on the security.txt uh, and I'll kind of I'll manage getting that rolled out. Um, you know, is that cool? And they said, yeah, really good idea. That's great. We've got a, like a little bug bounty program that we kind of do. We could kind of upscale that a bit. Uh, you know, if you go write the disclosure policy and I said, oh, I'll contact legal and see if they'll write that. <laughs> they uh, kind of went, yeah, fill your boots. You write that and we'll sign it off if it's all right. <laughs> so, uh,
1: that, that's six years later.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of, uh, you know, made judicious use of looking at other people's and kind of got that written anyway. And we sort of, yeah, gradually kind of crept out there. And then I remember sending a tweet and, um, it, it got quite popular for, for me with not many followers, which was kind of cool. People got excited and then I started getting people, uh, you know, copy me in on a tweet and saying, Hey, I just got the swag. It's great. So th- there's a tricky kind of situation then that the BBC is publicly funded by uh, a license fee for anyone outside the UK. It's might might be strange, I guess. Um, but basically in the UK, if you want to watch TV, terrestrial TV, then you have to buy a license fee. There's there's kind of more or less no choice. And it's a really contentious thing, right?
1: Yeah. For, for our US listeners, um, being funded is a... No, I don't think you'd understand being funded.
0: But, uh, I, I would, but that's only because I've lived over there and had to pay the licensing fee for two or three TVs. So yeah. this is true,
2: this is true. Oh, there you go. Well, I can assure you we spent it wisely. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah so so because of that kind of funding construct it's quite it's quite sort of difficult for us to do a a paid bag bounty in the sort of way that a big org would do the the sock had basically some swag that they would so they got some really i mean they are very posh t-shirts that they'd had custom designed and custom built i mean they're literally everything about them is custom it's not a kind of fruit of the loom t-shirt that's printed up this is a custom made t-shirt Wow. Um, with no, a custom design on it. No
1: expenses spared. That's good. Is this, <laughs> well, yeah, this is they, not just a t-shirt with Yahoo written on it, folks. This is <laughs> this is a custom t-shirt.
2: Yeah, they, they cost a fortune. <laughs> I do know how much they cost <laughs> to make. Um, yeah, so they're, they're really cool. But what people were kind of really excited about it, because it turns out a lot of security folks are Doctor Who fans. And um, on this t-shirt is uh, like a Dalek kind of thing. And the I remember saying to to the guy who kind of got all the t-shirts done. I said, you know, how how did you get this? Then we've we got the rights to it and stuff because obviously, you know, that's a thing, right? And he said, oh, <laughs> actually, this took me ages. <laughs> he said I went through the lawyers and we got nowhere, and it was it was kind of super tricky. And then I just happened to you know find contact details for the person that owns the rights to, to the Dalek, and you know that that person wasn't at all interested in the kind of whole you know legal approach that had been before but they kind of got chatting got on well. And he said, you know what? You know, now you've explained to me what it is. He said, you, you can use it. You can have the rights, well, not have the rights, but you can, I'll, 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 I'll let you do that. And so, um, you know, the, the Daleks became the kind of thing that was on the t-shirt. And I mean, I've lost count of the number of tweets that I've had with people going, oh, this swag's amazing. It's so cool. I mean,
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna go now and report that your HSDS headers <laughs> are not um, set to a year and see if I can get a t-shirt.
0: <laughs> And this explains why you have to go upstairs to get into every server room at the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> well protected. Security first. Security first. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. So it's um yeah, that that was kind of cool. It was um yeah, as I say, it's it's pretty cool swag in in the, you know. If you're going to get a T-shirt, it's got to be a good one, right? So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you, you want people to, to advertise your your program as well, right? By everyone's like, oh, my God, I need that T-shirt. But then you have to go and find a bug and it has to be worthy of a T-shirt.
2: Yeah. So if anyone's interested and wants to go look in, I believe that they're referred to as the original black t-shirts so if, if you find a, a bug and it's validated the the sock will contact you and say would you like one would you like an entry in the kind of hall of fame uh, and if you want a t-shirt what size and where do you want it sent and um they'll offer you i think a blue and a black one so the, the newer ones are completely different design but the black one i think we still have a few but um they went pretty quick <laughs> oh, i can imagine I think the yeah. uh the sock said they they went through I think it's in about a week or two weeks. They went through more t shirts than they'd gone through in the previous year. Once, wow. I mean, literally just from putting security.txt and a vulnerability uh, disclosure policy out there. I
1: so, mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's a number of services out there that are scraping the web for these on popular sites. And they're like, oh, there's, there's a new program here. Let's make sure that we, we advertise it. So um, I, I, I'm guessing that you're running the whole yeah. program internally. So, I mean, there's a couple mm-hmm. of big companies out there now HackerOne, Bug, yep. Bug Crowd. A few others that uh, that are are doing this. How how do you? Yeah, exactly. Um, How how do you feel like running this internally? I mean, I know there's. uh, I'm guessing there's a lot of emails that are like, no, that's not how security works.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's a real, real mix. There, there are some. So we've 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 modified or sort of updated the disclosure policy quite a lot over the over the years, and um, we've kind of excluded stuff like. You know, please don't just tell us stuff that's best practice. It's got to be an exploitable vulnerability. Um, but we yep. still get loads and loads of people kind of just saying to us, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Hey, your HSTS head is not long enough. And you go, uh, okay, well demonstrate how to exploit that. And then we're talking, you know, <laughs> so there's a lot of that. Um, and there's a few other things which we've had to just kind of rule out because they're an accepted risk for the org. It's, it's too difficult to do the other thing and we're not Sufficiently worried, um, but you know, we'll still get those reported quite often, yeah. And I guess, kind of, the, the time it takes to kind of process and triage those, along with the ones that are, I mean, there, there are some that have been incredible. You, I'm kind of reading the report again. Wow, <laughs> someone spent a serious amount of time and really, really knows their stuff on it, you know. And yeah, I think it, it takes up quite a lot of time. I know that much. I'm not intimately involved with that part. I do speak to the SOC now, and then they'll they kind of reach out to to people who are kind of in the right roles in the BBC and say, can you just kind of validate this or, you know, ask for a bit of advice. But yeah, I know it does take up a fair chunk of their time, but we've seen a lot of value from it. I mean, unquestionably, we have found a ton of stuff that we would never have found on our own. You know, best will in the world. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, you know, kind of doing what they can do. But, you know, we're only the small teams that we are. You know, I I kind of always always looked at it as a kind of um, breadth versus depth sort of thing, you know. We, we can kind of throw some breadth at it in, 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 in some ways, but you'll get people that are just super, super experts on, you know, a, a, a kind of niche part of oh, maybe niche is the wrong word, isn't it? A specific part of, 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 security. And they'll just kind of really dive in, won't they? And, and, and you yeah. just get some stuff and you think, wow, we could have paid, you know, a, a a company a fortune to kind of go do a pen test for us. And I'm pretty much sure that they'd never have even come close to finding that. <laughs> So it's, yeah, it's been great. It's been really, really valuable. But yeah, I know, I know it does take up a lot of the socks time. So it's a bit of a trade off there. But I, overall, I think it's really, really worth it.
0: So I've got a question that's going in a completely different direction, which is: you're in a fairly senior role at the BBC in in security. How did you get there? where did you start your journey? I, I think about this a lot lately because I've been talking to people who are, who are in junior roles now and want to be someplace like where you're at of being able to make major changes to their organization. I know how I got there. I know how Chris got there. Well, no, I don't quite know luck. how Chris got there. Just but, luck, uh, luck. <laughs> how about you? Where, how did you get to be a, a lead, lead security engineer? If, I'm sorry if I mangled the, the actual title
2: uh yeah so it's um i don't know how far back do you want me to go i mean <laughs> the
0: beginning i started
2: at help desk where did you start oh, okay yeah well i did a degree in electronics and kind of turns out after three years i wasn't that keen on that so um <laughs> it's, it's I, I good can't... to figure it out after three years yeah <laughs> too many
0: burns of... on the fingertips and stuff
2: yeah plenty of those yeah yeah yeah, on 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 the arm there but yeah so i kind of i kind of did that and then yeah i didn't really like it that much and kind of went off to do uh, a masters in uh, digital audio that didn't really work out but what did work quite <laughs> well <laughs> was that um so I, I was at lancaster university which is part of the janet uh, backbone in in the uk oh, yeah. i'm not sure how much of a thing janet still is but
1: oh we we have a we have a friend who works at janet okay he's a member of first yeah
2: still a thing Cool. So what it meant was we had a really good uh, web connection, and I had my own computer, which was pretty decent by, you know, that, that time standards uh, in, a, in a kind of lab, which is basically like a little office. So when I was procrastinating writing C, uh, I was sort of tinkering about with the internet and, um, you know, doing view source on everybody's websites and thinking, oh, that's quite cool. You be and careful,
1: was... that might be illegal soon, depending on <laughs> yeah. how
2: things go. Press F12. <laughs> don't, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> so yeah kind of uh w- w- was looking at that and thinking god you know this internet thing's quite cool it must be really complicated at-, at that time i was also making records with a friend and our-, our kind of little record label that we we started needed a website so i said well i could probably sort of half do that so i kind of started you know making websites that way and it was originally actually was on geo cities don't know if anybody remembers that but Ooh, classic classic yeah. GeoCities. Going,
1: going back it's like yeah. MySpace, but worse
2: <laughs> well, it was link tags <laughs> but you know it kind of i think it probably got a lot of people off the ground building websites didn't it and I, then, I started on geocities yeah well, so. there you go perfect perfect um and then you know kind of when that became a bit limiting it was so two days in <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long actually to be fair yeah <laughs> it was uh, kind of on to dreamweaver 4 and so kind of Drawing the website and then looking at the source and kind of tinkering about with that, and gradually, you know, going going from being more graphical and a little bit of editing to being more editing and tiny bit of graphical just to kind of check.
1: Do, you can do that in Word as well, but I wouldn't yep. recommend it.
2: Front, front page extensions. Oh yeah. Oh god, I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of doing that, and then uh, having to figure out how to host a website, so that you know, kind of doing that bit. And then um, still thinking like DNS was absolute, you know, witchcraft. So getting a friend to kind of do that. And then, you know, when he wasn't around being like, ah, oh, I'm going to have to learn this. So kind of, you know, having to learn that. And then after a while, kind of went traveling for a bit. And when I went traveling, I, I bought myself a book, which was on like a C- sysadmin kind of book. So I got that and then got back from traveling and thought, I probably should get a job so <laughs> <laughs> to pay for the book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I put it off for a while, I'll be honest, but <laughs> a good, good few months afterwards, you know, it was a nice summer and, and kind of got a job in, in web development, a uh, really small company kind of built stuff there. And it was one of those where I, I think kind of being at a small company is great because you have to do everything, you know, so you're writing HTML, CSS, JavaScript. PHP for the back end at that at that time, um, you know MySQL database, and you know you've got to build a server up and install it all and kind of get that on there. And,
1: and if you're doing uh, it in PHP, then obviously you got hacked. And then <laughs> as part of that, you realised I should do the security thing, right?
2: Well, the, the first time I realised security was a was a thing was indeed a kind of hack of sorts. So um, I don't know if you remember, it was probably what was it mid mid to late two thousands, and there was there was that bug in um, a few f well, it was a, sorry it was a virus that read configs from ftp clients and some of our customers had ftp clients on their machines because they would upload like images or something to the website obviously permissions weren't really much of a thing they kind of just had root so um <laughs> when, when when these viruses stole the creds you know people just injected content into the website it was a different time folks it was a different time this this is oh my goodness. no
0: no no it wasn't Chris it's still happening today it was, you know it as well as I do it was last week it was last
2: <laughs> yeah so that that was kind of my first my first experience actually of a security problem on the web and it was it was a client phoning up literally first thing on a Monday morning is as we were walking in the office and the phone was ringing and you know them saying hey, hey there's something really weird on our website you need to take a look someone's hacked it and so I just remember scratching around and thinking, well, how do I even begin to investigate this? Uh, you know, <laughs> looking at logs, kind of looking at the files and thinking everything looks okay. But then looking at the website and being like, this JavaScript should not be there. I didn't write that. And then we kind of did a bit of Googling around and found, you know, what had happened. And that, that, that was kind of a thing, you know, a virus stealing credentials out of um, FTP clients. And yeah. So, you know, change the passwords kind of, Teach the um, teach the customer to put AV on their on their uh, computer and, and kind of all that type of stuff. So. Ah, yes,
1: AV savior of the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said sarcasm, Chris. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Microsoft Most Defender take. for FTP. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, so it was uh, it was kind of on with that, and then um, so that was working at a small web development company. Uh, sorry, this is a rambling story. Careers and... careers
1: are long. I mean, these things these, these <laughs> things happen. <laughs>
2: yeah so it was a few years there and then a friend uh, kind of contacted me and said our company's just bought this digital media company and uh we need somebody to i mean he sort of described a role uh there wasn't really a title for it but it was basically architecture he said you know we need somebody to do this would you be interested so I kind of went along and had a chat with the guy who ran the department and we got on well and uh, he kind of explained what he needed and said you know do you think you could do that I said, well yeah i think so i'll, I'll, I'll give that a go and uh, said, "Right, cool you know did the interview and stuff uh ended up getting that job which was pretty cool realized very quickly that what i'd learned thus far was kind of useful but differently so <laughs> and yeah. it was in like a proper organization with like you know project managers and stuff and thinking wow uh yeah okay <laughs> feeling a bit overwhelmed but you know after a while you kind of get used to it and you work out what's what don't you? and uh yeah kind of went from there and then after a few years of kind of getting more used to working at that scale and, and, and that, that type of stuff got a, a, a kind of LinkedIn message from a, a recruitment person at the BBC saying, Hey, we've got this role. We think, you know, you might be cool for it. Do you want to kind of have a chat? So I did that and thoroughly confused that chap by assuming he was technical <laughs> and talking all the tech to him and he went, no, oh, I'll go find out and email you back. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. And then kind of just landed at the BBC. So I guess. Yeah, bit of luck, bit of right place, right time. Um, I guess really, a lot of it—I, I, I, I kind of hope was just being willing to give stuff a go and to try and to always want to learn. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more the sort of person that's—if there's a new thing, you know, I'm keen to do it. I'm keen to give it a go, see what, see how well it works, how good it is. So yeah, I guess it's kind of yeah, mixture of those things. I guess does that answer it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I see this this thread a lot in in people in security is that there's a new generation of people coming out who just, they went to university and they did security and they came out and Mm -hmm. they're in the technical role that they they choose to go into. But like the the old guard and the people who've been in the industry for a while longer are like, I have a friend who's in security who did geology and then didn't like it. And then you know worked as like a chef for a while and didn't (laughs) like it. And then did some web development and decided that CSS was too hard to deal with. So he just, you know <laughs> hacked a couple of things and like found a vulnerability in something and now he works as a pen tester and it's like this, this <laughs> weird changing environment where the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis they may have done a thousand things in their their time before they, they do what they do
2: yeah yeah oh yeah I've definitely done a load of random work as well so before all of that was just just tons of random stuff while I was sort of trying to work out what I wanted to do after I'd realized three years too late that electronics wasn't really my thing. Yeah, everyone everyone
1: <laughs> always like shines a light on people in the industry and they're like, oh, you're you, you senior this and staff that. And it's like, you, you must have had this amazing career. It was like, I'm a senior engineer at Google. I used to work in, on the deli counter at Safeway's you know everyone yeah. starts somewhere right yeah. there was this whole conversation uh on on twitter a while ago where it's like if you want to earn more than x amount you need a degree if you don't have a degree you're never going to get in the game like i oh, yeah. i didn't even go to university so <laughs> yeah. you know everyone comes up through different pathways 100
2: percent, yeah and i think it's it's quite often to be honest those completely unrelated and in you know not directly relevant roles that are kind of done in the past that i learned the most from i mean there, there was <laughs> you know those convenience jobs that you have where you think i'm not that interested in the job i'll just do it because it's easy it's in the right place you know i can walk to it or whatever you know i, I kind of i think i learned quite a lot of what i use today and in, in you know kind of going back to Martin, what you said about the, the kind of business side of making changes versus the technical i think i learned quite a lot of the, the the kind of business side and approaching people and the the sort of the ways that work for that from a job that i was basically on customer services a company that was. 200 meters from my door that my friend worked at and said, I can get you a job if you want it. <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, cool. You know, I, I can walk there in five minutes. I can walk home for lunch and what have you. And yeah, you know, it's just speaking to people that are kind of upset about something and kind of learning how you deal with that. And then, you know, kind of how you reflect that onwards and stuff. And yeah, I, I think loads of those sorts of things are just super useful unexpectedly and like, you know, it's nothing to do with tech at all, but you know. Just still really, really handy.
1: Um, I'll I'll let you take us out, Martin. Unless you unless you want to give us some hints about the next season of Doctor Who. Yeah, you know, we 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 we're <laughs> sure that you know all about the inside secrets. So
2: uh, let me just load up the script. Hang on. Um, <laughs> yeah, <so the laughs> Doctor Who is one of those things I know absolutely nothing about. Unfortunately, I, I just I, I've never really watched it. Um, I know it's a bit of a crime <sighs> being a techie. <laughs>
1: Blasphemy. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah and especially working at the BBC I mean what am I doing I think I might have to go go watch the whole lot tonight or something
1: take the afternoon take the afternoon and just start from right at the beginning the first one the black and white one it's 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 like a few hours long and nothing happens but definitely start there
2: (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) well on (laughs) that (laughs) note I don't think any of us are going to be watching Doctor Who from beginning to end anytime soon because I don't have a year to spare to do it We've been talking with Neil Craig, who is a lead architect at BBC Digital Distribution. And thank you very much. It's been a very interesting conversation. And I actually learned a lot more about HSTS than I knew before, which is actually, I guess, not saying that much. (laughs) We we are here to educate you, Martin. We are here to educate
2: you. Indeed. Yeah. Great talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to the First Impressions Podcast, and thanks to this week's guests. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at M-C-K-E-A-Y, and you can find the First Organization at first.org, F-I-R-S-T-D-O-T-O-R-G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions Podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.